I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Multi-level structures and where if you put it too high, you might see bleed on the top floor. And you may not realize it because you're testing on the first floor. Everything looks great. You move on. And then what if you don't make it to the spot on the you know, floor above and you're seeing the beacon from the, you know, the first floor. So that could break the use case. Right? If you look at a convenience store, if you want to detect presence, one, maybe two beacons gives you, okay, I know when they walk in the store versus are they looking at soda or candy? Hey, that, at that level, it becomes, okay, you need more specificity and more granularity. And now, first of all, you're adding time to reconfigure each one of these beacons. And tomorrow, if your use case changes, that means you have to send someone back out reconfigure them again yeah and you just broken the first use case so exactly that allows them to scale because when you're thinking about hey i'm going to install beacons across 8,000 locations mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to visit 8,000 locations it's a planning placement propagation procurement permission privacy or public notices process presentation and people you're listening to the hitchhiker's guide to the beaker system with steve stadler Welcome to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Beaker System. My name is Steve Statler of Statler Consulting, and we're doing this show in partnership with our friends at Proxbook. And this week we're back at Gimbal. Uh, we're not talking to the CEO, we're actually talking to someone who is intimately involved in most of the deployments that get done at Gimbal. And the subject of today's show is all about deployment. So why is deployment interesting? It's interesting because it's a critical success factor and arguably you're going to spend more money on the deployment of beacons than you will on the beacon hardware itself. So getting it right is really key uh, and I'm really pleased to be with Sid and uh, Sid's full name uh, I will uh, attempt to pronounce Siddharth Panagari. I know that's not quite right but oh, hopefully close enough. Uh, Sid, thanks very much for doing the show. Pleasure. Nice to speak to you again, Steve. Yeah. So we used to work together at Qualcomm. Yeah. You were an engineer. So that meant you were right at the top of the heap. So Qualcomm is run by engineers and lawyers and business development people. And strategists <laughs> are fairly low down along with the maintenance staff. But um, so your background's engineering. And you um, did a lot of the beacon deployments when... Um, 
when we were Qualcomm, uh, and now your role, well, your role, I think, when Gimbal was first formed, am I right in saying, was you were director of essentially customer engineering. That is correct. And now you're director of... Yeah, so I was, I was involved in a lot of the deployments we did uh, when we were within Qualcomm and even after we spun out, and then now I've moved into you know, more of the sales engineering role, so I get involved much earlier, which actually helps me shape some of the discussions as well before, you know, while things are being decided, including beacon deployments, use cases, how many beacons are needed, how it's going to be implemented or, you know, rolled out. So that definitely helps me shape uh, and helps us, you know, influence and hopefully avoid things that we've seen people trip across in the past. So you can sell and design for deployment considerations, as well as talking about speeds and feeds and stuff. So how many deployments do you think you've been involved in? (laughs) A lot. I don't have a number, but uh, we've done, you know, at, at Gimbal, we've done... As you know, you know we've deployed across a large variety of locations. Um, and I have a number to tell you, but yeah, hey, it's more than 5, 10, 20, 30, probably, yeah, more and, than 50. And can you talk sure, about yeah. the kinds of deployment, any names that you can share, or at least industries where you've worked? Sure, we obviously, you know, we've done a lot of sports, you know, stadiums and venues, over 60 or 70 plus stadiums in the U.S. itself. Uh, you know, we've done the Super Bowl three years in a row, uh, Citibank, you know, came out publicly also with some of the cool stuff you're doing with them. So that's some of the, you know, stuff that's happened in the last, you know, year and a half as such. Um, so, yeah, it's been, you know, sports venues, gas stations, as you're aware of. Yes, um, indeed. We've spent, <laughs> we've stood on gas station forecourts together and figured out how to get the beacons to distinguish between pump one and pump two, which is go. quite challenging, but possible. So, well, that's cool. So who... Um, uh, we're going to use a, a structure that we used in the book, and uh, one thing I should say is you are the gimbal contributor to the book in terms of the deployment chapter, uh, which I think is a fantastic chapter, so thanks very much. And the thing that makes it good is it's actually informed by real practical experiences that you've got and the, and the folks at Point Inside had. And we used a, uh, a 10P structure for the chapter. So the 10 P's I'm gonna to have to look at my notes are planning, placement, propagation, procurement, permission, privacy or public notices, process, presentation, and people. So that kind of gives you a sense of all of the things that people need to think about when they're deploying. It's not just a matter of just sticking a couple yeah, of beacons correct. up. Yeah. Especially when you get to a large stadium or even a, a network of um of uh of stores and so forth. So actually, let's jump to the end because I think it's interesting to talk about people. Who is it that actually puts the beacons up in a big deployment? Is it you in a van going around to uh, <laughs> 10,000 uh, uh, fast food stores or how does it work? So, yeah, it can vary. Um, in most cases, at least, you know, with our enterprise customers, you know, folks who are looking to install beacons across the country in hundreds or thousands of locations, it typically... The most effective way and also that, hey, cost effective and in terms of, you know, doing it right is to work with internal teams who do, you know, who work on putting existing infrastructure in those locations. Like, you know, hey, it will be store ops or, you know, people who are putting maybe sometimes access points or point of sale machines in the in those locations. We typically work with our customers to help train their internal teams who is then in turn going to manage the logistics of, okay, this is, you know, We'll work with them to build a training document on how you know to train because hey, on each one of these locations, you're not necessarily going to have an expert 
who knows everything about beacons mm-hmm. and RF devices. It's going to be person who's proficient enough to see a piece of paper, follow instructions, and then also understand some basics of why are these devices going in and what do they serve? What purpose do they serve? Uh, which so really takes us to the first P, uh, which is process and having it really planned out to make it correct. dead simple. Yep, because, you know, and planning starts, right, you know, when folks start looking at beacons is to, you know, before, before you can get to how many beacons are needed, where to place them, what's the use case, how do, you know, typically also what large, you know, customers do is you start with the beacon deployment that you can build upon. So, hey, today it might be X number of beacons and tomorrow you might scale to 3X or 5X, but you just start with, hey, I can now reuse these beacons to now, you know, advance my use cases and build upon them versus, you know, I need to restructure the whole deployment because it was so specific to a use case. So you need to think in, a, in, a, in advance because the placement of the beacon is driven by the use case that absolutely. you're implementing absolutely. and don't just ex- think ahead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, time to time, and it happens more f- frequently than you would think is, you know, typically you'll get questions where, hey, I have this, there, here's the stadium, how many beacons do I need? And the question back is, well, that's a difficult question to answer because that solely depends on the use case. In some cases, there are... Scenarios where you know someone's trying to uh, put beacons in this space because they want to be able to you know offer it for to different types of clients. Maybe it's a you know convention center that wants beacons and they really don't know the use case, but they want high level beacon coverage so they can cater it to different conventions, different conferences that happens in the space. So in that we typically work with them to determine, hey, you know, do you want to detect presence in the area where you just want to know that people are in this general area, might be a particular section of the convention center, or do you want to get very specific that hey, they're at a specific concession stand? Mm-hmm. And typically it's a combination of those two. And so we'll work in some spaces where it's, you know, it's fairly generic beacon install where the use cases may not be defined because there might be no use cases. It might be someone looking ahead to upgrade the existing infrastructure to allow for, you know, companies that hold events there to be able to use the beacons. Similar to setting, you know, I'm setting up Wi-Fi for the venue, I just need coverage. So if you have a really good idea of what your use case, maybe the number of beacons is going to be smaller, but if you want a lot of flexibility, you're going to have a lot more beacons because you just got to cover all eventualities. Sure, exactly. I mean, again, we when the use cases are specific, that obviously makes it slightly easier. Um, with beacons, you know, you always have the scenarios where these are radio frequency devices so every physical location will have its own slight variations so we again work with the customer to you know come to a general plan of placement where hey this will work across 95% of your locations maybe the 5% might be you know one-offs or you know slightly different scenarios but we work with them to generalize the plans that can that allows them to scale because when you're thinking about hey I'm going to install beacons across 8,000 locations, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to visit 8,000 locations. You typically pick, let's see, there's 10 different types of layouts that cover 95% of these. So you'll actually visit a representative set of locations. And sometimes these fast food places, they kind of have different models of store. We have a Model A store, Model B store, the upmarket, the small. Exactly. So you do a site survey. Mm -hmm. How do you approach the site survey? So the site survey is, you know, Typically, we have a starting use case or a set of use cases. Let's say, hey, these are the you know, minimum requirements that need to be met. Site surveys help us determine, you know, we have some rough guidelines, learnings already from what to expect, meaning, hey, you place a beacon here, 
I know what to expect when I need to target someone on if it's a tap to the beacon use case or if it's I want to capture users within 5 to 10 feet or just capture anyone who I see which could be within this 35 50 feet area site you know site survey allows us to zoom in on if it's a quick service restaurant okay this is what it means to capture people at the drive through or the entrance um, so it allows us to you know run some quick testing with the tools we provide mm-hmm. but it might just be temporarily placing beacon at you know different locations uh, site survey also helps where you get to speak with you know either the manager on site or someone who runs the physical location because different types of places may have different sensitivity right. to hey is the beacon visible is it not visible can we put it on a wall which already has some noise so that it doesn't stand out uh, versus hey some people might not care they might be like it's fine to put the beacon here it's a drive through no one is necessarily looking out for a beacon so is the site survey essential? Because I imagine that's, you know, that costs money. You have to stay in the five-star hotel, have the big <laughs> expense account, the expensive state dinners. Uh, do, do people try and avoid the site survey? Is that uh, permissible? Um, it's off late. I think people now understand clearly that it is, it, is, it is essential because of the fact that, again, as, you know, with beacons, it's not like, hey, we installed it in one stadium so now every stadium in the world can just follow these guidelines, right. right? So people see the value and, hey, if you are investing in beacons or location to be a core part of your, you know, mobile app or technology stack, hey, it's good to do it right. Uh, the small investment in the site survey helps them understand exactly what they need for their space. And as I said, in the site survey, it may not just be for a specific use case. It also understands them to have guidelines or notes for, hey, when they decide to scale later. Right. Today we have... 50 beacons tomorrow we're going to have 100 if you have 300 they've already spent the time and investment effort to go look at their physical site and see how do beacons behave in their physical space do you need a floor plan is that essential floor plans is sometimes useful um definitely right to especially at least you know if you're having very initial discussions on how many beacons may be needed how does the space look uh, it does come in handy especially for again things like convention centers or museums if especially you know in some cases uh the museum hey something might be being built right it's not yet ready so we start off with the floor plan together just and just of okay how would a beacon install look like or at least estimate give them a ballpark um but most times yeah i mean a site survey is what gives them the most information they need and i'm imagining again it comes back to the use case if you just want to know presence is the person in the store. Maybe you don't need a, a floor plan for that. Exactly. But if you want wayfinding, exactly. then it's like you got to have the plan. Exactly, right? I mean, if you look at a convenience store, if you want to detect presence, one, maybe two beacons gives you, okay, I know when they walk in the store. Versus are they looking at soda or candy? Hey, that At that level, it becomes, okay, you need more specificity and more granular detail. And typically, where do you get that uh, floor plan from? That's also, typically, store ops will have it. Um, store ops or you know operations teams who are managing these locations would have it. Things can get interesting because you get into some uh, scenarios where it's franchise owned. You may not even have store plans, or you may not have up to date store plans. Things change, uh, so that's why a floor plan is not exactly like a must have. It's very useful, mm-hmm. uh, but typically, if you at least you know you can say okay, these three or four sites will cover our bulk of our you know 
locations nationwide or worldwide, then that that definitely is more helpful okay. to get them. So we, we've been talking about planning and that's kind of getting a sense of what are the use cases, doing some sizing exercises driven by numbers. Anything else you want to say on sizing? Anything that goes into that no, sizing I'm, equation? Yeah, I mean, part of uh, planning, I think you have some notes which we'll discuss later as well, yeah. is, you know, part of planning is is that you're having a buy-in or having clear communication to even folks who might be working you know, in the in the location, who might not be necessarily involved in the digital strategy for the organization. You know, you're right. just conveying, hey, this is this is what beacons are for. This is what they're going to help achieve. And it's you know, you need buy-in from even those physical location owners because hey, it's more you have to it's motivation for them as well to yeah. like, okay, I need to spend some energy and time installing these beacons, making sure it's done right. Okay, so we got our floor plan. We've done our site survey. We know what the use cases are. We've come up with an estimate that's driven by the use cases and the people maybe you for proof of concept but more likely to be store ops what about third parties i remember that's one of the areas we looked at are there are we seeing companies that third party companies that will do this because you don't have 500 people in vans absolutely absolutely we are seeing uh, third parties as well we typically work with again with you know enterprise customers they will typically will always have a list of you know authorized third parties that are already in their vendor management system that are approved vendors to do other things in the store we are also we will help train them because it keeps costs down for them and it's an existing vendor versus yeah. getting completely someone new on board so we'll work with them as well uh, you know to help train them and then at that point it helps them because now they have all the knowledge yes with their third party vendors so tomorrow say phase one they decided to go to 500 locations yeah. phase two is 2000 now their third party vendor has all the information yeah. needed um, to now go and do the work for them so if you've got someone who's doing maintenance on the point of sale system might as well have them do this as well Absolutely. okay so we've got people we've got planning what about placement how do you figure out where to put these things um so that's interesting right as i said some of it can significantly depend on the type of location hey if it's a a really nice museum you just can't go put sticking beacons in the wall versus for a quick service restaurant or you know they may be less sensitive to the visibility of the beacon itself uh, as a rule of thumb we actually almost always recommend you know beacons are not devices that need to stand out and be in the face of the mm-hmm. consumer they are serving a purpose um, so typically we always try and find uh, uh, spaces that will be less intrusive with the physical space we'll look for spaces uh, that you know, there's already noise on the wall, as we would say. You know, mm-hmm. there's either access points, alarm detect, you know, fire alarms, some other stuff that is also always on the walls. Um, again, primarily driven by use case. What's the use case? Because that's the primary uh, incentive is to hit to do it right. Is to will it meet my use case? And then it's looking at sensitivity around the place. You know, maybe it's an historical place maybe it's a hey, nice and right so vip suite you're not going to go put a beacon that is going to stand out right so this is really getting onto another p which is presentation and part of presentation is do i have to hide these things correct correct so with placement um let's just drill down into that a little bit more sure. um so let's talk about ceilings because like i have this client yeah they've got a warehouse the ceilings are 30 feet tall mm-hmm can I stick a, my beacons in the 30 feet above everyone? And it's out of everyone's way. No one's going to be stealing those things sure. up there. So that's got to be a factor. How can I keep them out yep. of people's 
sticky mitts because yes. you have them too low, people are going to steal them. But is 30 feet too high? Correct. Is there such a thing as too high? It is. There is such a thing as too high. And it, it actually especially gets interesting where you go to, you know, multi-level, uh, you know, structures and where if you put it too high, you might see bleed on the top floor. And you may not realize it because you're testing on the first floor. Everything looks great. You move on. And then what if you don't make it to the spot on the you know, floor above and you're seeing the beacon from the, you know, on the first floor. So that could break the use case practically. Um, so there is something solid to high. Typically, we recommend beacons, you know, installing beacons about 7 to 8 or 10 feet high at the most. Don't go too high. Uh-huh. That allows you to detect, you know, presence of the user within that location with good accuracy. And it also helps prevent bleed. Now... You might not always be able to avoid bleed just because of the nature of the physical location. That's when we get into things like, you know, you might increase the density of beacons because mm-hmm. you might create a denser beacons, you know, coverage in the in a particular area so that you know, at some point it doesn't matter if I see more than one beacon, if I see beacons from the other area, if I can create a signal density that allows me to differentiate between areas and, you know, in the platform, we also provide a way where for different areas, you can specify the density at which someone has to see the beacon for them to be recognized that they are there. So that allows them to get away with, hey, it doesn't matter if I'm in the kids department and I'm seeing, you know, seeing beacons from, you know, men's apparel, for example, the density of the kids department beacons are significantly higher. So I'm just going to ignore those other beacons I see. So this is really where the value add comes in from your beacon supplier. It's not enough to just say, oh, I'm going to use the native iBeacon signal because life's more complicated than that. Absolutely, right? I mean, it's not enough to say that if I see this beacon, I can assume I'm here. Because in a physical space, you know, you might always see more than the, you know, beacons from other areas in the store. And that's why the way we built it was to handle it in the software. Because another way of doing it is, you could go and reconfigure each beacon to reduce its range. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't scale because you know, now, first of all, you're adding time to reconfigure each one of these beacons. And tomorrow, if your use case changes, that means you have to send someone back out to reconfigure them again. Yeah, and you just broken the first use case. So exactly. it's better to have higher, the full, full broadcast volume, as it were, and, and deal with it in software. Um, what about, do you find... People steal beacons. Is that a problem? Do you have to worry about like securing them so that people don't do that? We've had, uh, we've seen a couple of odd cases. It's not that more than stealing per se. It might be someone grabbed it because they didn't know what it Mm -hmm. was. And at that point, it's just an unknown device, Mm -hmm. which may be a security threat, which may be just someone thinking, hey, what's this, you know, what's this device for? So it's, uh, I don't know if it's stealing their beacon because it's, uh, but we have seen beacons sort of disappear. Right. Um, and so that's why that's also another reason why we would you know recommend it keep it out of reach. We do have things in the platform that allow our customers to know when a beacon has moved. Okay. Uh, so they can actually tag the beacon with a particular location, and then if it's being sighted by devices in a completely different location, that can be a flag for them that this doesn't look right. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, let's move on to our next P, which is propagation, which is like one of the trickier things, isn't it? It's like, on one hand... I mean, people always talk about, oh, what's the what's the range of this beacon? Like, that's the only problem. But actually, that isn't the only problem. The problem is actually almost too much range and that is correct. signals bouncing around. That is How correct. do you deal with that? Yeah, so so that's what, you know, that's why site survey is so important. Uh, because, you know, you might have tested a beacon in a lab and you know what to expect at different distances from the beacon. But that same beacon might look completely different in a sports stadium and might look completely different in a retail store and a quick service restaurant. Mm-hmm. That's where site survey comes in is because, you know, you have concrete, metal, steel, you have all these, um, you know, structural materials that will impact how a beacon is seen by devices. Mm-hmm. And so that's, you know, with site survey, it allows us to cater it to a specific place or a type of place, not even a specific place and come up with recommendations. And in some cases, you know, it doesn't happen as often, but in some cases, it may be that, hey, the use case needs to be adjusted because the physical location does not allow that, you know, that use case to be implemented because it may not be possible to get that level of signal propagation that you intended to. And do you have tools and techniques you can use to actually shape the signal? Is that viable? <laughs> so we have, we have tools to sort of measure the signal strength that allows someone to, you know, capture some notes and mm-hmm. enter it into the system for reference on how the app is going to behave. Um, we have seen some people get innovative as well, trying to, you know, shape, putting it, putting them in, you know, metal boxes to mm-hmm. sort of block off signal on the sides mm-hmm. so that they can shape the signal. The beacons themselves also, the gimbal beacons themselves do also have a optional you know, software selectable antenna, which is, you know, directional antenna versus the default omnidirectional antenna, which is useful in some scenarios as well. Uh, so we have seen, you know, cases like, you know, someone's trying to put them in the gas pump and they want a voice signal going on. As you know, sponsor one and two on each side, and they don't want they want different beacons for each, depending on which side of the pump you are. So that also has we have seen. I do remember trips to Home Depot to get, make that use case work, and it worked. Uh, the switch yeah. box from Home Depot Absolutely. actually allowed us to separate one side of the pump to the from the other pump. And I think one one of my favorite images in the book is actually a picture of a donut, a real donut, because I couldn't afford to buy the fancy. Um, picture from an electrical engineer of the shape of the beacon signal. But I think it's worth pointing out to people what we, we say omnidirectional, but it's not a perfect circle, is it? It's not a and perfect circle. What are the implications circle. of that? Correct. I mean, it's not a perfect circle. And as I said, some of it will always depend on the actual physical space. Uh, you know, sometimes folk things like, hey, if I'll place the beacon here, I'm just going to capture everyone in front of the beacon. You might not realize you might be capturing people, especially in a retail scenario where, uh, you know, there's there's departments and, you know, things all around the beacon. So it's not, ex- you know, not exactly, you know, just someone standing in front of the beacon. Uh, the beacon itself by default is omnidirectional where, you know, it's literally all around the beacon, but there may be some dead spots and that's what you need to test for. 
Um, and that's yeah. why if you're pointing the hole of the, do- the donor and you think, oh, this is great. I'm like firing like on Star Trek, this phaser beam. It just doesn't work like right. that. And you may need to adjust by 90 degrees or whatever so that the signal exactly. actually is going. Or, you know, or sometimes putting it in a concrete wall might help because at that point you're practically, you know, you're blocking off the signal uh, from spilling sort of behind the beacon. So that is also, so, you know, again, depends on the physical space. We usually recommend different things. Uh, that will work for the use case. And so let's talk briefly about the impact of materials. Sure. You know, what is, what, what, can you run through very quickly what the impact is of different kinds of materials sure. on beacon signals? Sure. I mean, typically, you know, you think, see things like glass, glass is okay. Yeah. Normal glass, if it's really thick security level glass, it, that can be a problem, but normal glass is typically okay. Maybe if it's got a metallic tint, exactly. that could be a problem. That could be a problem. Wood is also typically okay. You don't see, uh, you know, necessarily issues with it. Concrete, concrete is a hey signal is not going to go through concrete, so that uh, that you have to keep in mind. Which could be a good thing. None of this is good or bad. It's just understanding what's going to happen. Yeah, metal is interesting as well. Uh, Metal is one of the more challenging things, is because in some scenarios it might break a use case because you might have reflection of signal all over the place, and now you have unintended consequences. Versus sometimes you can you know you can choose a location where the whole you know structure can become an antenna for you mm-hmm. because of the metal characteristics and that might work in your favor. So it all depends on the space. Um, but typically you know things like wood, glass, or another rule of thumb is you know if light can shine through, that usually is going to be okay. Your beacon signal is going to shine you know come through and you'll be able to see the beacon. All right, very good. Um, we could talk a lot more on this. We won't, but. Um uh, it's a really interesting set of problems to solve. Let's talk about a, a problem that, you know, maybe this is trivial, maybe it isn't, but we put it in the book, which was procurement. And yeah. I just wanted to sens- sensitize people to thinking ahead and not expecting that you can figure out who your beacon vendor is and then expect them to deliver 10,000 beacons within a couple of weeks. That's Correct. probably not a good idea. Yeah, so procurement is, you know, Another thing that we do, which, you know, we, a lot of enterprise customers expect is, you know, as you said, typically it doesn't work where you know, we're just sending 20,000 beacons to a warehouse and then they have to take care of labeling each one of these, putting them in separate boxes, sending them to different locations. So we actually do that for our customers. Um, you know, while we are working with them in the site survey and initial phases, deciding how deployment is going to look like, then we structure with them, okay, how many beacons per site? We will even typically label them so that someone on the site receiving the beacons you know, has clear guidelines on, hey, this says entrance, this says apparel, or whatever that's, mm-hmm. that is. Uh, we typically also work on an instruction, you know, one pager, which says what the beacon is for. Images are the best, you know, work better than even writing simple instructions. This is what a beacon does, this is how it looks, this is how to operate a beacon. Um, folks who do it best will also invest and put some information on their internet sites so mm-hmm. that where the store ops people can go and log in and maybe there's a brief tutorial or you know brief explanation on what these devices are. Uh, typically they'll also hold internal webinars to explain their teams about hey what are these new devices and how they're going to be a critical part of their strategy moving forward. Uh, so in terms of procurement you know we would build these things we call as beacon kits which would go to different locations, which would include, you know, all the beacons would be labeled and it would include a one or two pager instruction sheet, which typically have some images, which will tell them how to, you know, how to place these beacons. 
So all this takes time. So advance notice, A, because, you know, if there's two, uh, you shouldn't assume that all the beacons are going to be available, period. Correct. And uh, you also need to think about the delivery and the supply chain and all that preparation. And when you're sending it to so many locations, even installation, you have to give yourself some buffer because not everyone, hey, this, while you can communicate that this is a priority, everyone at the physical location, the, you know, associates or managers, they're, first thing, they're not going to just jump at the chance of, I got my beacons, I'm going to go place them. Right. They have other things to sort through, so yeah. I have to build in some buffer time and, hey, this may be installed over a period of two weeks or three weeks. Yeah. Right? That could also take time. We could riff on that. But it's, it's a real eye-opener. You realize that technology isn't the top of everyone's priority list and they don't necessarily love the opportunity to play with this stuff. You've got to, you, you've got to think about that. And that's really kind of touches on one of the soft issues that we've got. One of the 10 Ps is permission. Yep. So I think, you know, we'd, in an ideal world, you'd kind of get the order from your client and you'd ship the beacons to the site and they get installed and everything's okay. But actually, you have to ask permission from not just one person, maybe quite a few. Can you talk to that? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, permissions gets more, uh, I'll use the word interesting, when you installing in public places, maybe it's transit areas because at that point, you know, you might have real world. Hey, you you might be speaking to security people. You're you know you have uh, people regarding the site or police. You know, you have to make sure you have the right paperwork. You have the right permissions. That's why communication is key as well. You know, even when you're going into a retail store, as I said, they have other priorities and other uh, challenges on on hand that they have to solve. So it's always good to you know that some prior communication has been done, or you have the right contacts, uh, which hey maybe it's a name they recognize that. Know, hey, Steve has has given us approval. This is an email, or this is some documents, and they know who Steve is, for example, yeah. right? Uh, it definitely helps to have that level of the lesser explaining you have to do on site. The easier your life becomes. Yeah, and I think uh, some clients will just they'll already be on top of that. Others, Absolutely. you may need to prompt. And and you know, one of the things that struck me was sometimes this can even get up to board level. You know, talking about an airport which is run by a bunch of politicians, they probably need to know that there are these beacons going in because what if some press person makes a big deal over the privacy? And so it's kind of pre-briefing exactly. those, the political stakeholders you've got. And that means also marketing and PR Absolutely. and yeah. the janitorial staff, the security staff. I mean, it's just a huge list. That is people. correct. Yeah, I mean, and for example, if you're installing something at the Super Bowl where a lot of stuff is happening over a, a day or two day time period because you know, hey, they actually literally have a couple of days to put up all the infrastructure for a whole week log event. There are multiple vendors in the space doing work. It's good to have the right paperwork to show anyone. It's a high security event, high visibility event. So it's, it's important to have the right paperwork and the right information to show as to why these devices are going up in the space. Very good. What about public notices? Are we at a... and we? actually just had our session on privacy but I'd, yeah. I'd love to we've had the lawyer's answer to this we'll see if the 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 feet on the street agree with the yeah. lawyer do you think that we should be putting notices up like we do for closed circuit tv cameras letting people know that there are beacons around or is that going over the top um that may or may not be essential primarily because the beacons themselves unlike security cameras the beacons themselves are still more or less at least to a large extent, reliant on someone installing an app, yes, which has already conveyed to them 
the kind of information that is being captured if a device spots a beacon. So beacon itself is not necessarily capturing information about the users in the space, right? The beacon is transmitting information. So if the mobile app has the privacy policies covered, that, that usually will take care of it. Um, the notice part may only come in again in maybe public transit areas where hey, at that point, you know, it's not necessarily a location owned by, you know, a private party here. It's a public location. So that might be more useful from a security standpoint to just, you know, have a either, you know, we've seen things done like, hey, if it's a comp label on the beacon, which says for any questions, visit a website or call this number. Uh, that also works sometimes where you can just put a label on the beacon if someone has questions around that beacon. Uh, or you could put privacy notices, but typically a label will help, you know, just achieve that. Or as I said, in most cases, and it's dependent on apps. So if an app has clearly conveyed that, uh, you may get away with without having, you know, public notices. But that is an interesting point. The bar may be higher if it's a public place rather than a private Correct, place. Exactly. Um, let's talk about process. Yep. Uh, so. It seems pretty simple. You have your beacon, you stick it on the wall, job done. But actually, I mean, you talked about part of it. You touched on this when you said we might label a beacon and tell them where to put it. And we talked in the book about, I think, three different approaches to this, variations of um, planning it in advance and telling people where to put it, putting the beacon up, and then saying where you recorded this permutations here which is there a right way of doing it so the best the best way is all the and the best way doesn't always happen but the best way is always you know after the site survey you work with the operations teams to define uh, what their you know the associates or the managers the folks at the locations are comfortable with in terms of a process that has been followed previously you know to either install existing infrastructure or you know, do some work that was done across all locations. So you work with them to cater to a language that everyone can, you know, it'll be comfortable for everyone to understand. And then, you know, you would label them. We have things in the system where we would tag them with the location so it allows owners to know. Because at the end of the day, you can put the labels you want, you can send the document, but it's humans installing these and you can't necessarily prevent someone from installing right. a beacon mistakenly in the wrong place, right? right. Uh, so we do have some things in the system that allows folks to also know if a beacon is being sighted by at the wrong location. Uh, but typically, a uh, label itself and the instructions and the webinars helps achieve, you know, at least get as much accuracy as possible. Right. And I think the last P is presentation. Um, so that, that's, that would be our 10th P. We've talked about this a little bit, but... Where are you? Where do you see people on the spectrum of let's make this beacon disappear? Sure. A la Apple, which sure. you know, there's no secret that gimbal beacons in the Apple store and most gimbal beacons are white, but um, those, those ones are silver. So we've seen that. I've heard the folks at Estimo argue you want to make these things really stand out because that means that everyone knows that it's a beacon. And then the other thing that I'm starting to see is people actually putting their own brand on there, like the London <coughs> Underground logos on there. Sure. What, what are you seeing as far as where are people coming down on? Do they want something that's discreet or? Mostly people are, you know, you look at them as mostly people, mostly as I said, beacons go in places where they're not necessarily standing out to folks. Uh, with that said, you know, in some scenarios, if it's a you know, nice looking concert venue or if it's a, 
you know, historic space, they would want even the minor details like, hey, I want the beacon paint to match the paint of the wall it's going on, which we have, you know, which has happened in the past as well. So we would, you know, people can paint those beacons because the beacons can be painted, no problem at all, as long as you don't use any metallic paint, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be really bad. But, yeah, but you know, they can be painted. We've seen folks put sticker, as I said, for public areas, it actually works out great if you put a sticker because then it looks, you know, it's official equipment, you know whom to contact. Uh, we've seen folks put, you know, uh, we also allow, you know, for different beacons, you actually can specify a contact point. So you might have an email address of the manager of a, or of an area distributor. So you know whom to call for questions. Uh, so branding them in at some level does help with more about, hey, if someone has questions around the device, because at the end of the day, it's, it's a box, you know, it's a device sitting there. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, the more magic is in the software and the app. Uh, so we haven't necessarily, you know, seen people uh, wanting to make them pretty mm -hmm. uh, because it's, when you go to a, any location you know there's so much physical noise in the space uh, the beacon itself is not the one that is going to glorify the place the beacon is again there to serve a purpose uh, for the you know whole digital um, experience for the users in that space well we've covered a lot we've talked about planning placement propagation procurement permission privacy process presentation and people that's pretty good. Did we, did we miss anything out? Uh, no, and I think, I mean, as, as much as it, you know, sometimes it's always best, you know, the one thing we always say is test, test, and test. Like anything, you know, you're rolling out a, you, you know, a new, you know, feature in your app, you're putting beacons in the space. App developer is not always talking to the person who's putting the beacons, is not always, you know, talking to the, definitely probably not talking to the owner in the space who is dealing with, Hey, these are, this is the flow of people I see. This is how people navigate in the space. But some of that is also important to know if there's multiple ways to get in. How do people navigate in the space? So that's why, you know, testing is important so that, especially for, you know, in some cases for, you know, you know, for sports events or concerts, you might not have too many chances to get it right. You might, it might be a, if it's a conference, it might just be a weekend event. If it's, a, you know, a sports you know, if it's the NFL, you have eight home games a season, typically. So, hey, you might not have too many chances to get it right. So, it's always best to run some tests, uh, distribute the, at least, you know, a test version of the app as soon as possible to someone on site who can run, uh, run it on their device, confirm expected behavior so that you don't see any surprises when it's, you know, uh, prime time, when it's time to go live. Those are a couple of good points there. So, there's an interaction between the logistics, the placement, and the software developer, isn't That's there? correct. There's and that's no. probably there's going to be mistakes and you, that's Absolutely. why you need to do the testing. So that's a really good point. The other thing that I didn't think of is the Super Bowl versus the McDonald's deployment. You probably want to have, you can't have someone from your beacon supplier on site, probably at every McDonald's, but you, you probably want to have someone on site at the Super Bowl, don't you? Exactly. Because again, as I said, short event, so hey, you want to get it right. You, don't, you might not get the second chance. It's always best to have someone who understands the whole you know, technology on stack to provide you with some feedback. Again, hopefully the testing has happened before yeah. the person is on site because that, hey, that also be, has its own challenges of fixing it with the app store reviews that can take time to make updates. But yeah, testing absolutely gives you the best chance of success. So I hope if nothing else, we've convinced people that there's actually quite a lot to getting this right. It's the area where you can end up spending a lot of money just because people are involved. And it's an area that's absolutely critical to the success of the project. So I think that's a great advert for making sure that your beacon vendor has got 
loads of experience. Um, and so that's another thing to think about when you're selecting your beacon vendor. Absolutely. Okay, Sid, you've been really generous. Thank, Thank you, you very much for your time. I know you're super busy. Um, and uh, I think we should just, I'd love to get feedback from people that are watching. If anyone's made it to the end, we'd love to hear from you. There's lots of experience out there. Share your experience with us. Give us your feedback. And if you have been, thanks for watching. Thank you. All right. You're not really into music much. I'm not. Uh, I mean, I listen to music growing up in Mumbai. I listen to mostly Bollywood music. But, oh, really? But now, yeah. I mean, I have a big sports buff. So if I had to pick something to carry with me, it probably will be some sports videos that I treasure. Either it's my favorite team, Arsenal, or the Indian cricket team, for example. Well, the, the, the Arsenal have got to may have made some records in the past. I'm just trying to think back. Because I used to live next to the Arsenal there football is, ground. And yeah. they do a lot of singing there. So Yeah. And it is in the past, unfortunately, now. <laughs> they haven't been doing well the last right. few years, but now, yeah. Okay, well, so some some sports videos and maybe the Arsenal Football Club yeah, I have singing the, I mean, the Arsenal anthem, there you go. whatever exactly. that is. Yep. My memory of them is having riot police and uh, Alsatian dogs barking, so that's my <laughs> audio memory of that. Okay. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.